Hello and welcome to another thrill-packed episode of Superman Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies 1978 Superman the Movie, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Yes. Hello, Rob. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and I'm always impressed, Chris, by your cat-like reflexes. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> are we going to Addis Ababa, Mr. Kelly? <laughs> uh, wrong section, sorry. Um, and also joining Rob and I once again is our pal from Superman Forever Radio and the person whose story about seeing this movie for the first time left us positively gobsmacked. <laughs> it's Bob Fisher. How's it going, Bob? Hey, Bob. Hey, Bob. Hey, well, I just think, you know, there's no way to distract you from a cruel murder than a little slapstick down in Luther's lair, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, so. This movie has incredible tonal shifts, as we all know. <laughs> yes, it does. But uh, thanks for bringing me back. I'm looking forward to this. This is, you know, again, I, I think we all kind of like this movie a little bit. A little bit. And, yes, a little bit. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's even hard to put my critic hat on sometimes. I just, you know, I want to be all critical and go, oh, but that was out of tone and that didn't fit. Oh, but it was so good. <laughs> so... so. Actually, uh, truth, truth be told, this whole show is a blind for me to get to Superman 4 movie minute. But I'm just putting uh, up with the first three movies to get to that one. To get to that one. <laughs> Chris is like, we really need to start with the first one. I'm like, oh, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right, all right. He wants to work on the complete films of John Cryer. Is what it's about. <laughs> right. Or the evolution of Clark Kent. Yeah. yeah, there you go. As portrayed by Christopher Reeve. Very nice, yes. Uh, and we get some of Clark Kent this time. Uh, this this week, uh, we discuss minutes 61 through 65. We begin with Otis entering Luthor's underground lair and end with Lois about to take off in the Daily Planet helicopter. Uh, so, Good you know. Thing nothing happens after that. <laughs> that's right. The movie is pretty boring after that, actually. <laughs> really? really? It just kind of slows down when she gets in the helicopter. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> nothing comes out of that, I don't think. <laughs> but we have the ultimate scene right here, right now, tonight. Oh, yeah? Well. What scene, okay. what scene would that be, Bob? <laughs> it's the one we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Which is always my favorite scene, the one I'm currently talking about. Well, there you go. That's how does that for a plug? I like it. Okay, I like good. it. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> keep keep the, keep the listeners, you know, uh, riveted <laughs> their seats there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So as we enter this scene, uh, Lex had just mentioned nincompoops, and Otis walks in and he says, "Yes, we were just talking about you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how many times did he do that little? Uh, twirl to knock the lamp over. Do you think he did that one take or was do that multiple times? Uh, that, that's a good, uh, that's a good question because I mean, his twirling and, and Hackman's reaction to it were, were, were fantastic. Even, uh, Miss Tessmacher in the background, you know, her reaction to, to, to Oh, I to think both. she's, I think she's brilliant in the, in this little, little section here. I, I really like her character a lot in this. Um, and in fact, most of the Luther scenes with her, um, I, I really, really enjoy her performance. <clears throat> yeah, she she brings a she brings a lot of depth to a character that could be pretty vapid, you know, under somebody else. Of course, it's written really well, but but you know, you you me and Rob spoke about that last time. You actually do you already kind of get the idea that yeah, she's you know hanging on to Lex, but she really doesn't approve of of what he's doing. She plays along, but. She's she's trying to be in some ways the angel on his shoulder, whispering, "Don't do this," right. and he's just shoving her off, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, he has his own plans, and um, right. I think this is interesting. This is the first time the the three of us have talked about, um, well, these three characters: Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, and and Valerie Perrine, playing the playing the parts the way they did, the way it was decided to play. Um, Luther, not as much, but almost comic relief. Now, obviously, Ned Beatty is is pure comic relief here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in every scene he does, it's you know, here's where your jokes are going to come in. And 
I'm just curious how you guys, you know, did you like the way that Donner and, and Lester kind of mixed all this guy in here? The, the comic relief, the bad guys being the comic relief instead of maybe, you know, a Jimmy Olsen or a, some other character. Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, you know, I think we touched on that a little bit, Rob and I, in the last episode. But me personally, I, you know, I get some people are kind of put off by the fact that uh, that Hackman's Lex is a little more humorous than than some versions. But, you know, I think this movie, I, I think it kind of needed that. I think if you'd had a deadly serious villain, it would have, I, I don't know, it just I can't imagine what the tone would be like, you know, in in this installment it you needed somebody that had that 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 supreme arrogance that he he was so arrogant about his superiority that he was able to have a sense of humor about it you know and i, I just I, I i just can't imagine a, a deadly serious scary lex luthor in this movie it just doesn't seem to fit mm-hmm. what do you yeah. think rob yeah i mean the, the first time uh, in the audio commentary they describe uh, Ned Beatty's role and and Gene Hackman's role, they said as as a comedy part, and I remember being like shocked at that. I was like, really? That's what they thought of these roles as comedy? <laughs> uh, yeah. But then I, I realized that it's you know, yes, it is meant to get laughs, but it's a nice contrast to how earnest Christopher Reeve is. I mean, Christopher right. Reeve is playing it straight up the middle uh, as as he has to because if he's making it a joke, then it becomes, you know, the Batman TV series. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what they're trying to do here. But, uh, no, I, I think it, it, it works. And, you know, um, it helps that you have somebody as good as Gene Hackman and Ned Beatty and Valerie Prine. I mean, these are all power hitters, you know. Power uh, hitters. You know? Power I mean, hitters. Ned Beatty yeah. is one of the great all-time supporting actors. He was just in Network like a year or two before he had done this, and then a year or two before that he'd done Deliverance. And Gene right. Hackman was the French Connection and Night Moves. And, I mean, these these were really good people. And so they knew how to do the comedy that it is funny because it is sort of absurd. They live underground and Luthor is so full of himself. And it's got all that laugh, but it's not, I don't know, it's not silly. And it's, it contrasts quite well. And, yeah, I, I mean, we're all used to Lex Luthor with his boot jets and all that stuff. But, I mean, you can't have that Lex Luthor from Challenge of no. the Super Friends in this movie. You can't have no. Christopher Reeve playing it real. And then you cut to Luthor and he's like, we're now going to destroy the Men of Steel once and for all. Like, oh, slow down. Calm down. Calm down. You can't have that. So, it, you know, it never bothered me as a kid that this wasn't the Luthor in the comic books. It just, it didn't, I don't even think it even occurred to me. That's interesting because, you know, even seeing it in the theater at the time, uh, there were huge laughs for um, Otis, not for Lex. I still think it's almost like Lex is being a straight man, but he's also the leader of his little pack. And and whether it's this scene or the scene in the ambulance and or, you know, I did it right, Mr. Luther. I did so good. Well, I know you did, like uh, uh, Otis, but. Just tell me again how you did it. So, <laughs> but all of the little the little touches um, work. But I think the whole movie works because of Christopher Reeve. If he shows one glint of self-consciousness in that suit or one little mistake of feeling anything less than what Chris Reeve puts on the screen here, I think we have real problems with the movie. I think a lot of this does work. Because he is straight as an arrow, playing it as straight as possible, uh, especially the Superman parts. Um, so I, I was curious to see how that, because I, you know, I have mixed feelings. I go from thinking it was just absolute sheer brilliant casting to poor Ned Beatty, they're making you do this. I'm so sorry. So, <laughs> you know, but even watching it today, I'm sitting here trying to think, you know, oh, gee, poor Ned. And I'm laughing my butt off, thinking, wow, that was so good. How many, Like the lamp, how many times did he have to do that? How many times did they work through this whole timing and stuff? Because comedy is hard. I, you know, I make this comment periodically on certain things. Comedy is very, very hard to do, especially when the whole movie is not a comedy. This is, this is not a comedy. They were really trying to put real Superman up there on the screen, and they did it. So it's not a comedy, but there is comic relief. And that's why I kind of started this, because just seconds before this scene starts, 
um, Luther is pushing that guy in front of the uh, the subway with his little um, what do you call that hydraulic door thing. So yeah, it's a you rough know, scene, yeah. it's a rough scene. Yeah, I mean, he just kills that guy, and uh, we cut from that to uh, <laughs> the the prowess of a cat. It's uh, the reflexes of a cat. So uh, I, I think you know when you how do I put this? That's kind of exactly the way to do it when you're making a movie for. You know, nowadays it would just be called all ages. There was no such thing at the time as just all ages. But but I think if you know you're going to have kids in the audience, you know you're going to have other people to balance some of the serious stuff in this. Because this movie has very serious points through the thing, not the least of which is the death of a main character. So, you know, how they react to that, how they reply to that and respond to that and make these other things around it. I think they did a terrific job with the balance of that. And, um, and in fact, this whole scene, this five minutes that we're talking about here tonight is a lot of that. It's the other side of the, we're not seeing Superman. We're seeing Clark Kent in one of his longer little bits with Lois. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I kind of jump ahead here a little bit, but, uh, uh, you know, so even in the lair, we see the, absolute comedy bit of, of Otis, um, with the wry, uh, uh, Miss Tessmacher, just, you know, you just know there's more going on in that head than she's letting believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just, I just really love that. I, you know, I just really like the buildup of this. So we're, this is a good character. I think all, this five minutes, you know, we really get to see, um, well, five or six of the main characters that we're going to see in this, and we get to see them getting ready to um, kind of meet each other. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think it's a great build-up to that. Well, yeah, it's setting the stage for Lex's plot. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he's, got, he's got the he's got the paper with the twin missile test, and and then you get you know as we get out of that scene, then we get into. Uh, what Lois is going <laughs> to, what she's going to get into, that's going <laughs> to, that's going to bring Superman on board in the in the actual in the actual film. So, yeah, this this is an important segment actually in in the mm-hmm. film, and and they do a real good. Uh, that's one thing we've said a lot is there's such a. I mean, this is a long movie, especially for the time. Yeah. But this there's such a great economy of storytelling. There's so much going on, but they manage to breathe life into all these characters. I mean, you kind of instantly know what kind of character Lex is. You know what kind of character Otis is and Miss Tessmacher is just from their exchanges here back and forth. And you, you kind of get their dynamic and, and this is how this works that, you know, uh, you know, Lex is kind of Bud Abbott to, <laughs> to yeah. Otis's, Otis's uh, Costello, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Lou Costello. So, you I mean, you kind of get that, that kind of, feeling off of them you know and and uh and it, they sell it i mean and they you know and a lot of times you know uh, you know we we we, we always mention uh donner and mankowitz we got to mention uh the lynn Stallmaster, who was the casting guy on this movie because he helped assemble one heck of a cast you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and and he uh and the the fact that these three all play off each other so well i mean because, you know, there's chunks of this movie where it's just the three of them carrying the movie yes. while Christopher Reeves, you know, because they've got to move the plot forward because all this plot's happening and and our hero is completely unaware of it. So they're, they're setting that up here and, uh, man, they're firing on all cylinders. <laughs> oh, a- absolutely. Absolutely. I think, like I said, the lines are delivered so well, so so real. And it's it's not easy to add this kind of slapstick, um, cause it's not total slapstick, but it's, uh, it is Otis being, you know, the G Mr. Luthor, duh. you know, he's a, <laughs> he's a really dumb guy. Right. And, uh, but he's pulling it off in a way that yes, you get the chuckles, but you don't really feel sorry for him. You don't, you don't, I don't know. It, they're hitting the right emotional beats with these guys. Um, and I think when we get into the next scene here with Clark and Lois, this, you know, uh, again, I want to ask the same question of these guys again. How long did it take you to get that coat stuck in the door like that? That scene is, 
it's one camera. It follows them. It moves. It doesn't cut. Follows him into the little bathroom with her, and she points to the door, da-da-da, back out, and slams the door on the coat. So he's got to knock and get it out and do that again. You know, uh, it's just, that is not easy to do. And today I kept looking, and he covers it with his hand, with, with his body. How does he actually get the coat? to stay in there long enough for her to slam the, does she grab it? I was looking this today. Did <laughs> Lois actually grab the coat to make sure it stayed in or, but he does turn his back. So we can't really see the edge of the coat when the door slams. So, uh, but it's just so good. It's just, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the really, really goofy Clark Kent. You know, I'm, I'm George Reeves guy. I like my Clark Kent to be a real serious newspaper guy. Mm. And sometimes Chris, I think, goes a little overboard with the little goofiness. But here it worked. It worked so well. First day on the job, he gets to use the word swell. She can make fun of him. Uh, it's just, it's such a really, really good scene. I think the only line in this whole five minutes that's delivered poorly that I would have probably said, uh, Margo, can we try that one more time? is when she's talking about, uh, I could have had, you know, like her sister who has uh, a kid or three kids and mortgage and yuck. And then yeah. she, that's a really poorly delivered uh, line. Mm. And, 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 uh, uh, and, and I watched it again over and over just to make sure, yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> the register of her voice changes. It's almost like, uh, uh, you know, when a woman is trying to be almost condescending or facetious, she gets that little girly voice. It, it, it's a really badly in my mind. I thought, Ooh, I'd like to see her deliver that a little more seriously. Um, mm. because I think it, it, it was a little, little jarring. And I'm saying a little jarring. It was one sentence out of a five-minute scene. And, you know, that's how critical I'm trying to get with this. How do I really find something wrong? But, you know, to me, it was it was Margot Kidder's delivery of the line about having the kids in the mortgage yuck. Mm. And uh, But uh, Chris never, never missed a beat, never, you know, halted any of it, just all of it. It's just he plays it so... Well, in this particular scene, not over the top, just meek, just kind of, you know, first day on the job, not real. Yeah, it's really swell meeting you and Jimmy and the elevator up, up, up. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yes. All of that. This is Superman. He doesn't need a damn elevator, <laughs> but he but he plays the Clark Kent thing so well here. So uh, even though this is not my favorite kind of Clark Kent, uh you, it's it's really hard to find any fault with this at all. Again, it's Christopher Reeve movie. I mean, you got Marlon Brando, you've got Ned Beatty. You, again, the names in this movie are huge, but the star of this movie is Chris Reeve. And whether he's right. on screen as Clark Kent or Superman, um, this is his movie. And I think you put anybody else in his role, and you don't have the same movie. Where no, no. there were there were some bigger stars and other stars they could have put in for the villains and stuff that may or may not have worked. We're not I don't know, but I can't imagine them picking anyone better than Chris Reeve to play this character at this time in history in that movie. It was just it's just too perfect. Yeah, and you know I I think and I and I get you and I know I know that's a criticism that yeah the Clark may be a little too bumbling and you know. Uh, maybe to even buy as a crusading reporter, but in in this movie and in the and in the movie series that they foresaw and that what came, they didn't they didn't have to have Clark carry the stories like George Reeves did. He had exactly. to carry he had to carry those stories as Clark because the budget only allowed for so much time <laughs> as Superman and so many stunts as Superman per episode. So there were more times where Clark's behind his desk and on the phone and talking to Inspector Henderson and, you know, and, and, and oh, yeah. great. Yeah. And I Absolutely. love them. And, Good but point. they could, they, they could work here to actually, you know, sell the cynical seventies audience that, Hey, this secret identity thing could actually work. Could and work, I think, right. yeah. And I think that's the angle they went at. Okay. Let's let's see how we could make this work. And, you know, really, to, to my notion, 
Christopher Reeve's like the only actor who's ever really made it work. I mean, honestly, on on film, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying there haven't been other good Clark Kent's. I mean, George Reeves, I like him as Clark Kent and Superman, but there's very little difference, you know, and that. And that that works. Well, he made the difference by being more formal as Superman. All of his friends he called, uh, he never called her Lois except in one dream sequence in the show. It was Miss Lane. Right. Uh, he called her Lois only as Clark. Uh, right. It was little things like that. There are differences, but they are a lot more subtle. Yeah. And and you're absolutely right. What 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 he actually did and what they succeeded in doing in this movie is showing the reason how people, why can people work with this man all day, every day, then Superman, he leaves and 30 seconds later, Superman flies in and they can't tell it's the same guy. Well, yeah, look what Chris does. He's slump, <laughs> He's doing the way Kurt Swan drew him. Slumped right. shoulders, head down, he, uh, you know, don't make, you know, it, it, this is Kurt Swan Superman. It is a yeah. Bronze Age Kurt Swan Superman. And, uh, but I think I like the, when we get longer, you mentioned, uh, uh, Superman four, I like the Clark Kent in three and four a little better than this Clark Kent. Mm. And, and, uh, I'm not saying I like the movies better, but <laughs> I, I, I like that little bit of, um, serious edge to Clark now because he had more to do in three, uh, uh, and the whole, uh, Lana thing, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but, but you know, that's a small, tiny, tiny little, little, you know, complaint. If there, if there really is a complaint, it's not really a complaint. It's a difference that they decided to, to go with. Uh, and he pulls it off the way he does that. The alley scene later when he stops the bullet and fixes the glasses, um, that's perfect. That's, that's letting the us in on it too. You know, uh, which we don't get any personal. It, he didn't really break the fourth wall in that next scene. But in this scene, um, he's not winking at us yet. There's no they're not letting us in on it yet. We're totally watching this. Um, whereas in the bullet catching scene, he kind of fixes the glasses and drops the bullet. And it's kind of a little nod to us saying, huh, that was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. So I, I think there's a lot going on in this scene because we are getting to see uh, the characters set up really the first time. We get we know now what Lex's plot is. We're still not quite sure how he's going to you know go about <laughs> implementing the 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 plot. And uh, Jr. from Dallas hadn't made his appearance yet. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> no Larry Hagman yet. No. Yeah, Larry. He wasn't in <laughs> Dallas yet. When was Dallas? That was after. This. Uh, it was right he around was the a, same time, though. Well, yeah, yeah. He, he was, was from, older. He was from *I Dream of Jeannie*. Uh, yeah, uh, Larry Hagman. Little, he, we we knew him from that at least. That's so, how yeah. I knew him. Yeah, when, <laughs> when he first came on screen, I didn't know Dallas. I knew I knew *I Dream of Jeannie*. Yeah, major, major. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's it's interesting that you know you were talking about the uh, the scene with Lois and Clark walking it. You see, like the Daily Planet in that real long shot, which I'm glad you brought that up. There's so many people they're walking past that are doing so many things. You really do get the idea that this is this bustling newsroom that yeah, all this stuff's getting, all these people are still working. I don't know why Lois and Clark get to go home and they have to stay. <laughs> I don't know if it's their different shifts or, or they're, you know, they haven't got their stories. Out. I know why Lois is leaving. She's going to go, she's still at work, you know, which is what Clark mentions. Mm -hmm. And and one thing, did you guys catch, this has always jumped out at me the last several years that I've watched this. In this sequence, Christopher Reeve's hair as Clark isn't nearly as slicked down as, um, as it was in previous scenes or later scenes. His, mm -hmm. his hair is more like modern looking here, you know, from yeah. the 70s. And it's just kind of odd. I don't know if that was just a you know, an off day that they just didn't, <laughs> that the hairdresser, the normal hairdresser was busy or, or what, but it just kind of jumps out at me. I don't know. It's just strange. That's what happens when you watch movies hundreds of times. You know? Yeah, exactly. We start picking out, is that the same pair of glasses he had on over there? Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they shot this thing so wildly out of sequence that, you know, probably the continuity person probably had a really tough time keep track of all this stuff, you know, oh, I mean, that, so the, the continuity people must have a hell, heck of a job anyway, 
trying to keep movies straight. I, I don't, I'm stunned sometimes when I realize that there's only, you know, one to five continuity people there to make sure the cigarettes only this far down. The drink is only that far. Got the same tie on the bruise was on the left eye, not the right eye. Come on. Richard, yeah. Yeah, Richard Donner has a great story on this on the commentary where they're talking about the, the cause he had the same comment. He had the same continuity person from movie to movie, mm. uh, a woman named Elaine and there's there Mankowitz tells the story about where they were going to shoot something, and Elaine had to point out that you can't do it that way because of his previous scene. And Donner was just like, "I don't care." He's like, "I'm Elaine. I'm going to do it." And he goes ahead and he shoots it. And he says, "You can." Mankowitz says, "Everybody's quiet, and you can hear just this little." <laughs> and she's just muttering to herself because she's so mad. And finally, Donner turns around and he says, "Elaine, speak up. If you think I'm an, if you think I'm an asshole, just say it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I, I'm surprised Elaine didn't commit Harry Carey after this movie because oh, I mean, man. Oh. you you watch this and and you know we know that they only had. Uh, Marlon Brando so long. They only had Gene Hackman so long, and you can see when, when especially when Christopher Reeve, because the, you know the whole time he's working out, he's he's building mass and stuff. Mm-hmm. He he's thinner in like the scenes he's in with Hackman than like the scenes at the end where they they rushed and shot the not jumping ahead way ahead here, but where you know he pulls Lois's you know Lois's car you know out of the out of the trench and everything. He's lot buffer looking he's thicker looking you know you can you can just see the difference if you if you look for it and and then does not even get started on superman too you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well scenes maybe in like 20 right yeah three minutes of three years apart you know scenes that are shot like three years apart or something but uh or more but yeah it's uh yeah it's it's it would be a nightmare especially in a movie of this scale where they're they're filming out a sequence, and yeah, I'm sure that's how Clark's uh, uh, more uh, up-to-date hairstyle got into place in, in this se- segment. But uh, speaking of styles, you know, it, I thought it was interesting that they were jumping around here a lot in this segment. But, uh, you know, Lois's outfit when she's uh, going to meet the helicopter, that's pretty classic Lois Lane. She's almost pretty much got the pillbox hat on, you mm-hmm. know? My wife even commented that I had it on in the background today uh, while we were having dinner. Sound was down. We're just, you know, watch it and talk. And that was her comment. It was like, uh, oh, Margot looks like she just stepped out of the comic book. She's got a traditional Lois outfit on. And one other thing that I thought was really kind of telling is that Lois looked timeless in this scene. Mm-hmm. They, you know, and and. Uh, some movies are good at that, trying to shoot a movie that you can't quite tell, is this supposed to be modern day or what? And you start looking at the cars or you look at the clothes and hairdos and stuff. And most of the time that stuff doesn't really jump out at you in this movie. I think they did a decent job of, of, uh, not making it two of its time seventies polyester. There are a few scenes, obviously, Whoa, Jim! You know there are a few scenes that that, <laughs> that uh, are of their time, but uh, I thought overall I agree with you, Chris. And I thought she looked uh, really good in this helicopter scene. Uh, you know, getting getting ready and taking it um, um, the outfit, and you know I liked that whole lead up to this. The you know because you're getting the idea that you know a couple of things in that quick conversation of Lois and Clark walking down the hall. You get a couple of things. You're now seeing the Lois Lane that we all, you know, whether you like Margot Kidder or not, that's secondary. But we're seeing the type of Lois Lane that we all want to see or or like to see. A woman whose first thought of every morning and last thought of every night is the story. What am I doing to get the story? When she wakes up, it's the story. She leaves all day after work. Clark is mentioning that he was surprised how long the hours were. He wasn't quite expecting that. And Lois is, you know, getting ready to continue her day, not with dinner, not with family, not with friends, not, but another interview to try to get. Apparently she doesn't even actually have the interview. She's just going to try to show up and get an interview with the president because mm-hmm. she has access to a helicopter. 
So I thought that was really an interesting little bit because now we're seeing, you know, uh, uh, the kind of Lois that, that I always love seeing the, the, the reporter that's, that is her main driving force to get the story and get it right. Whether rapist has one or two peas in it is <laughs> secondary. So there's no Z in Brazier. Yeah. There's no Z in Brazier, which was in this scene exactly. Yes. I, I love that. Uh, the, I love that Lois goes from writing a sex maniac profile to interviewing POTUS. Like that's a hell of a career switch that she writes. <laughs> she gets to write these lurid, you know, stories, and yet she also gets to like basically a one-on-one with the president of the United States. Like as far as I know, they don't allow the reporters that do the sex maniac stuff to talk to the president. But, you know, the Daily Planet, I guess, is kind of starved for reporters. And as we saw in Batman v Superman, uh, the reporters change uh, disciplines all over the place. So I guess that's just what right. goes on at the Daily Planet. <laughs> write the sports article yeah. this time. Ken, you're on sports today. <laughs> right. Lois, draw, this, yeah. draw, draw today's far side. Uh, yeah. know, we're, we're talking, I don't think that happens a lot in no, major news so. organizations. We're, we're, we're talking so. a lot about the Clark and Lois scenes, which is fine, but I, I will kill myself if we don't mention this one part in the Luthor. Because this scene has, to me, my favorite Luthor line of any movie ever, which is the Miss Tessmacher. When I was six, my father said to me, get out. <laughs> no, yeah. before that. That is, I laugh at that joke every, every single time. Yeah. Because Me I too. love that it undercuts Luthor's sense of himself. Because we just saw him in the previous scene murder that cop. So that's, yes. that's a pretty serious thing. And now we're seeing that he hangs around with idiots. And he has, he has, of course, never been respected even by his own father. Like that, I laugh so hard at that joke every single The way Hackman plays it, where he is willing to accept Miss Tessmacher's you know, smart ass response. But then of course mm-hmm. it's, it's, it would really happen, you know, <laughs> like it's yes. before that. Cause right. I, I agree with you a hundred and ten percent. I laugh again every time I see that. Cause the timing is absolutely perfect. Yes. And you're right. Instead of him going off on her and throwing her in the pool, he goes after that. Oh. <laughs> 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 after that. <laughs> yeah. Or before that. Yeah. So yeah before said, that. Yeah. Before yeah. that, yeah, <laughs> people will always buy land. Yeah, it's, yeah. I agree. Yeah, uh, and, you know, and Otis finishing, you know, his, his, you know, saying land when he knew Luthor wanted him to say land, and mm-hmm. and then them saying, you know, what could anyone, what more could anyone ask? Both together at the same time, <laughs> and then he looks, right. cuts him a look like, you know, oh god, you know, it's just you, you get the sensation. Yeah, you get the sense that Otis has has you know stepped over Luthor's lines before, and he isn't happy about that. Just the way Hackman closes his eyes, like "son of a bitch," you know, he just looks so mad <laughs> yeah. at Otis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you you also get the idea that 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 Otis is fully indoctrinated into what Lex wants him to do and wants him to say, and how he's supposed to react. He's not smart enough to always do that. But he tries really hard, you know. I mean, it's the that's the thing. He's so eager to please. I mean, Otis is almost—he's like a puppy, you know. He's like he's he like a, he's like a faithful dog, you know. It's just like he even went and fetched the paper, right? You know. So yep. it's, <laughs> and yet, according to the Superman Treasury Edition, he has a brilliant scientific mind. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. that when, when I read that, I was like, "What? Wait a minute! What no. part of the script was this in?" You know. It's, <laughs> I believe that about Tessmacher, but not not Otis, not Otis. They may have intended that, but he hit it really well. If um, if that is true, yeah, that's that was that was saved for the uh, the blonde uh, chick with Robert Vaughn in Superman Three. I can't think right. of her name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the Valerie Perrine stand-in for Number Three and right, the Lucas yes. and Robert Vaughn standing in for Gene Hackman. And, yes. You guys, are talking oh, about, you guys are talking about these other Superman movies. I don't know what you're referring to. I, there's only this is the only. They don't, they don't exist, right? In, yeah. in the future, there may be. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> well, back back to this this segment here in this movie. Uh, one thing I caught, I don't think I'd ever caught before. Perry comes up to Jimmy and says, "You know, get this." 
Loch Ness update down to whatever. It locked the, is there a story about the Loch Ness monster going <laughs> yeah. to the Daily Planet? I was yeah, just like, apparently. what? Wait a minute. And then and then Clark, he thinks he's good job on covering that union scandal. That sounds like something straight out of a Siegel and Schuster Superman story. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can just imagine. You know, that was that. I mean, that's the type of stories they did in the early days of, of Superman being the social crusader, you know. Yeah, so uh, Clark Kent's writing real social justice stuff. I, I like that. I, I think that I'm glad you pointed that out, Chris. I think that, that's a great little detail. I agree. Yeah. That, in fact, two things, Chris, you pointed out, both that and the fact that this newsroom looked like a working newsroom. It felt busy. It felt like people moving around, doing stuff all the time, working on stories. There's a real buzz. And... Uh, you know, back in the day, there was a real buzz. I don't know how news places are today, but, you know, it reminded me of a couple of the scenes in All the President's Men, actually, mm-hmm. where, where there was a lot of hustle and bustle in uh, a big open room with desks full of people tracking down stories on the phone, calling. And, and I liked that. That added the realism that this is a real working newspaper. In spite of the fact of one Z in Brazier. But but those were great lines. All of those are good lines. And in one quick line, look what they did. It told us exactly the kind of story Lois is working on, Clark is working on, and that they have some weird stuff with Loch Ness monsters. I mean, they could have put an alien abduction story in or something. But, of course, there's no such thing as aliens. What? Oops. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> well, you know, um, what, one thing, too, is is uh, I, what they really like is is Clark is so I mean, you know, he is he's following Lois around like a like a puppy, like a little puppy dog. You know, he is very interested in her. And, you know, she, of course, like you said, her number one priority is that story, you know, and then she talks about, you know, uh, line deliver, delivery or no. She talks about why she doesn't want to slow down. She doesn't want that lifestyle that her sister has. And it must be a older sister than Lucy. Yeah, not see, Lucy. Because we see Lucy in another movie that Rob doesn't want us to talk about. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys, are, guys are just completely perplexing me in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Rob. He's getting all exploded over there. What are you talking about? There's no other There's no other movies. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> But, you know, and, and this is another thing that, uh, Bob, that, that Rob and I have, have discussed. The Clark, the you know, we were talking about the Clark Kent act. How much of this, this awkwardness, do we think, if you really start to think about it, you start to question, okay, how much of this is the act of Clark Kent, and how much of it is just the real Clark Kent's, you know, coming through? I mean, did he, I can't imagine Superman would intentionally you know, get his coat stuck in a door. You know what I mean? He wouldn't try to keep a, a ladies. He wouldn't try to go into the ladies room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He might accidentally get his coat stuck in the door, but so, you know, you, you can, st- if you, if you dig deep and of course we are, because we're discussing this movie five minutes at a time, then, <laughs> then, then you kind of start to, you know, and it doesn't hurt anything to, to, to think about this, but you just kind of dissect, okay, how much of this is actually Clark Kent is actually the character of Superman, Kal-El, whatever you want to call him. And how much of it is his act as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter, you know? That, that's the great question of, of, of all, of the character himself. How much of him is really Clark Kent and how much of him is Superman? And right. I think that's a really good point that, you know, you can't act. Well, you can, obviously, he did it. But, I mean, if it was real, if we're, if we're just another reporter in the newsroom watching these series of events take place— is that Superman, like you say, faking it to get his coat stuck? Some of those things I don't think are. I think you're. I think you're. That's a really insightful comment. That so much of this is when he's Clark Kent. That you know he's putting on a little bit. Obviously, the physicality, the slumping of the shoulders, the glasses, the nervousness, the twitchy things. Some of that is um, learned for the disguise. Other parts of that, him being totally smitten with Lois Lane, totally losing himself, following her into the room until she points out, uh, you know, uh, you know, ladies, ladies. Oh, yes. Right. Sorry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All of that. I think that is absolute pure 
Clark Kent from Kansas right there. That's, mm-hmm. That is the guy being Clark Kent. Um, you know, but, and that's a little, you know, but again, that's the question, isn't it? That's a question that's been raised so many times with the character himself. Is Superman the real guy pretending to be Clark? You know, um, obviously in that TV show, um, with that Clark Kent, it was, you know, uh, Clark Kent is who I am. Superman is what I can do. Mm-hmm. People loved that. I remember people just going, oh, finally, they've put it in one sentence, the total essence of Clark Kent Superman. Well, to some of us, no, no, it's a little more gray than that. It's a little more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so I think, you know, he's been doing the Clark Kent thing for a very long time. He's had to hide and pretend to be weak um, for a very long time. So some of these traits he will adopt over the course of, of that, and they just become part of him while he's wearing those clothes, while he is in the Clark Kent guise. But, you know, to say that Superman is what he does, that undercuts that character drastically. Then you're just saying, well, he's just a pretty face in a costume. That No, he's as much Superman, and when he's out there doing super things— He's not pretending to be Superman. He's not pretending to save people and cats and barges and runaway train. He's not pretending to be that guy. He is that guy. And, you know, uh, so I think it's it's as much a dual personality as you can really get for a guy who's totally in control of both personalities. And he probably really lives kind of somewhere in the middle. So it's... Uh, But it's a great question. I think that's the, you know, that's that question that, uh, you know, uh, I've had this discussion with other Superman fans. And you get, if you ask 10 Superman people, you're going to get 10 different answers, which (laughs) is the real guy. And uh, uh, it's a great question. It's a great, great question. And I'm not sure Chris answered it in this movie. I don't think there's an answer because at any time when he's flying around being Superman, when he says, hmm bad vibrations, any of that. Do you think any of that, he's just faking it or putting it on? He's the guy. That's Superman. He's he's as much Superman as he is Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. <laughs> that was a deep, that was a deep dive. <laughs> we went deep. We went deep, real deep with that one. Well, now, on the total opposite spectrum of that, I will bring up one thing here. The helicopter we see is one of the the few items made into an actual piece of merchandise that you could buy in 1978 that was pretty authentic to the actual movie, and that was the little Corgi uh, toy helicopter. Uh, yes. Did you have one of those, Rob? Yes, uh, I, I do have one of those. Okay, okay. Yes. <laughs> I have the Corgi, the whole Corgi, the, the Metropolis police cars, the Metropolis van, uh, yeah, I have, I have quite a few of the Corky. I was already an adult in 1978, so I didn't have to wait for Christmas or well. I could go to Toys R Us or wherever they were selling these things and say, yes, I'll take that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. What about you, Rob? Did you have that? No, I didn't have any of those. I, I was really, that, that ad, that famous ad that ran in all the DC comics with all the heroes running towards their vehicles. That, mm-hmm. that made me so jealous because that had that super cool Shazam ride. Remember that car mm. that he had with the lightning yeah. bolts on it? But I didn't yeah. even you, – you, it never really occurred to me that you're right, that the Daily Planet chopper from that line is basically the chopper in this in this movie. It never occurred to me. And something else I just want to think about when you, since you brought up the chopper. Like how successful is the Daily Planet that they have their own helipad? That's pretty big. I mean, the New York Times doesn't have a helipad. I've been to New York. I've been in New York a million times. I've walked by the New York Times building on 8th Avenue a lot. I've never seen a helicopter landing on the top of the building. So the Daily Planet has some serious scratch that they have their own chopper. That is pretty good. And apparently far enough away from the globe on top of the planet that you could also park a helicopter and not hit that big globe. Yeah, Ooh, a, good point. Pretty, pretty yeah. big. That's a pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty sweet place to get a job. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> well, and, and you know, in the comics, they had what the flying newsroom or whatever. So this is right. the, this is the uh, this is the uh, the Bronze Age, a little more uh, realistic equivalent of that. But yeah, it's still a little far fetched for a, even a great metropolitan newspaper. <laughs> well, at, at least they didn't let Lois fly the thing. Right. If this, if this was still Bronze Age, Lois and Jimmy would have been hopping into that chopper and just flying it off themselves. They yeah. wouldn't have needed a professional pilot. So yeah, um, I, I know they did that on the Ruby Spears cartoons. Uh, they yeah. fly around in the helicopter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's one little detail in this scene that I want to compliment Richard Donner on, because you, you were talking about earlier, Chris, about sort of the economy of storytelling. Is like There's just that one shot of like the little like holder cord or whatever it is that's mm-hmm. that straps to the ground and you don't know why you're being shown that until later until like 30 seconds later when you realize that that's going to be the cause of the helicopter going all wonky yeah. but i love that that shot is just there for like it's like two seconds and you just see yeah. it and you're just it's just great stage setting they're like Oh, okay. You know, like it doesn't call attention to itself. There's not like some strange guy lurking, you know, like, uh oh, he's gonna be in trouble. It just it, right. it, it looks like verisimilitude, but it's it, it's a great way of just setting up, oh, okay, this is just gonna be a random accident that, that could happen because of all the normal things that go on with the Daily Planet. I think that's it just that's great directing. Just that little Agreed. that little piece of detail. And mm-hmm. the music was really good because at that quick two second scene they didn't do any extra bum bum bum. Or any, you know, to they just showed it and moved on. So until it snaps, and then you realize what's going on. But yeah. I agree, that's a that's a really good point too. Yeah, we've we've made the point that as fantastic as John Williams is, he knows when to just get out of the way and let yeah, them, you know, and then he comes in when when he, he he his timing is impeccable because he knows when he needs to underscore something and when he needs to just like keep quiet, you know. And well, plus I love the fact that that in this scene we don't see Superman. We're getting set up for you know this is a setup for something pretty dramatic happening here in a few seconds. But what we do here at one point as Clark, we hear not the whole theme. We hear just the boom, boom, boom. That's it. That's it. And then you know, oh, is that Superman? Oh, what's happening? What's happening? So <laughs> just that little, boom, 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 boom. and then it goes back into the helicopter and the noise and everything else. But you know now something is happening and Superman is going to be part of it. Of course, we only know because we've seen it a thousand times. We didn't know at the time that that little, boom, 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 when Clark does a little turn, meant time to go change to Superman. But right. so many, so many good, good, good things in just a five-minute quick setup of the characters. That's It's really what this little five-minute piece is. We see Lex in his lair with his two stooges, and they're brilliant, and they're funny, and we get their characters. We know who's in charge. Now we know that the basic plot that Luther has in mind. And we see Clark and Lois at work in the Daily Planet. We see Jimmy Olsen and Perry White, Perry being Perry. We see a busy newsroom. We see Clark absolutely smitten with Lois Lane, following her around, wanting to then ask her out on a date, getting up enough nerve to say, well, maybe, gee, golly, we could have, you know, like, I don't know, something to, oh, sorry, Clark, got a little busy here. (laughs) I don't have time for... All of that frivolity of of man, woman, lovey dovey stuff. I'm a reporter. Ooh, big blue guy in cape. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this one this one really does set the board really well. Yeah. It, it's it sets the board up really well. And I yeah. I think I think Bob just encapsulated this segment really well. And uh, you guys got anything else to say about it before we shove off? And this one, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Well, uh, Bob, we want to thank you again for stopping by and please tell the fine folks where they can find you online. It's really easy. You can either find me under my real name, Bob Fisher. It's a nom de plus. And uh, yeah, I'm going to make up that name. And uh, it's Superman Forever uh, radio podcast at supermanforever.com or on Facebook. That's the only social media. I don't twitter or snap this or insta that i one is enough one is enough 
So <laughs> I'm on Facebook as uh, Bob Fisher and Superman Forever Radio at supermanforever.com. I talk about Superman over there, just in case you couldn't figure out what I do on a show called Superman. Oh. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. yes. Yes, yes. I thought you were going through your Batman phase or something. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a little kid, it could have gone either way. If Batman had had his own show in 58 instead of Superman, who knows? Could have gone the other way. So, well, thanks but, again, Bob. For, oh, my for, pleasure. I love doing this. I hope to drop back soon before the whole thing's over again. You got some good stuff coming up, folks. Boy, mm. next five <laughs> minutes of this movie. Whew, Stuff stuff starts to move. Isn't that amazing, though, that we're like an hour and five minutes into this, and we've seen like ten seconds of him in the suit? And it's like flying from the back of the fortress and waving. Yeah. So we're an hour into it. And you don't realize that you were, wow, it's been a whole hour, and we haven't seen him yet? Yeah. It's such a good movie. Such yes. a good movie. Thank you, guys. I just thoroughly enjoyed this. Oh, we're welcome. Thanks for coming by, Bob. And, uh, you know, uh, be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at fireandwaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and myself host, more Rob than me. He hosts more than I do, but, you know. <laughs> because he's a Rob, muckety muck. <laughs> Rob's just like, he's the lowest lane of the Fire and Water Podcast network. He's he's seen how the other half lives, and he's not going to do that. He's gonna... <laughs> My sister has a kid and a mortgage? Yuck! Yuck! <laughs> Was that too big, Bob? Did I do that too big for you? I'm sorry. I no, that was good. That was good. That was better than the original. I think. <laughs> Yours was believable. <laughs> uh, we, we'd love to read your comments on Superman the Movie and the show over at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And you can leave us a review on iTunes if you're so inclined. Uh, thanks, as always, to Pete the Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great movie shows at moviesbyminute.com. Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman Movie Minute. Bye. Bye. This country is safe again, Superman, thanks to you. No, sir. Don't thank me, Warden. We're all part of the same team. Night.